0: Welcome to the weekly message for The Table. The Table is a church in Davenport, Iowa, where people are moving from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. I'm Pastor Rob Leveridge, and it's good to be with you on this beautiful, beautiful day. Our message today is the third in a four-part Christmas series looking at the, the different characters that are part of the Christmas story. We started out a couple of weeks ago looking at Joseph and who he was. Last week, we focused on Mary, the mother of Jesus. And this week, we're going to talk about the broader community of an assortment of characters who surrounded Mary and Joseph um, during the Christmas story. And so that's our focus for today. And then our last message in this series will not be next Sunday, but it's going to be posted on Christmas Eve. And that is, of course, going to focus on baby Jesus himself, the star of the show. Um, so, that's uh, what we've got in store for this series, and then I just wanted to share the update about the Tables Ministry. We have purchased a house, and this weekend, we have had our very first uh, in-person gathering uh, for a Christmas service in our new home, and we are in West Davenport at 1435 West West. 14th Street. So if you're in the Quad Cities community and want to come by, we'd love to meet you um, sometime. But we are not quite to the point where we're starting in-person Uh, weekly Sunday gatherings every single week. So if you want to come to an in-person gathering, you just need to be checking in with us on social media or on our website, which is thetableqc.com for updates about when those services are happening. And then soon enough, we will be meeting every single week, Sundays at 5 p.m. So with all that said, um, let's now uh, give a good listen to this reading of the script, of the the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Open your ears and your hearts. Let's give a good listen. In those days a decree went out from the emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what they, what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the Christmas story in which baby Jesus is born in Bethlehem is a tale which bears <laughs> contradiction. I mean, on the one hand, it is a story that is absolutely bursting with love and with promise and support and hope and community. That's what kind of story this is. I mean, think about any picture that you've seen, any kind of rendering, any kind of envisioning of the the Nativity scene, right? Um, when we look at any picture of the Nativity, almost right, we see devotion, we see compassion, we see care on the faces of all these people, this this utter adoration that they have, right? Um, and they are gathered around this infant in in this deep deep love and this sense of devotion and awe. Even the animals in these pictures, right? The donkeys, the cows, the goats, everybody wants to give love and honor to this family that they are with and this baby, okay? So the Christmas story is that kind of story. But at the same time, we know, (laughs) I mean, if you just think about the details of this story for like a minute, right? We know that in the days leading up to Jesus' birth and the night on which he was actually born, Mary and Joseph must have felt alone and desperate and worried, right? Because they had their baby far from home. I mean, for those in the listening uh, audience who have ever given birth, I mean, just thinking about this story like it's enough to send chills down your spine the the circumstances under which this baby was born and they were separated from their family they were in a town that they didn't even know right and and then when it was actually time for baby jesus to arrive they didn't really have any place to stay let alone in like a hospital or something. I mean, God forbid. I mean, nobody gave birth in hospitals because there weren't hospitals in those days. Everybody gave birth at home. But the scripture says there was no place for them in the inn. They slept in the dirt that night. Okay, so this is this the tension in the Christmas story. The tension between feeling surrounded by care and support Right? By all these devoted people and also feeling isolated and alone. And we know that many people feel this kind of mixture of emotions, right on Christmas to this day. Okay? That's the truth about this holiday. Okay? Well tonight we're going to explore um, the community that was there for Mary and Joseph on Christmas, and as we'll discuss, and you may have considered this before, but why not uh, talk about it um, every time we think about Christmas, um, this community is not one that you would predict that or that you would ideally hope was around, surrounding a young couple struggling with major life challenges, but they, they are who Mary and Joseph got. <laughs> they were there, <clears throat> they were present they did care and they were there for them when the holy family was in need okay and i really believe that one of the great lessons of christmas is how the connections that matter most may be the ones we find when we feel alone okay? that is a great truth in christmas okay so let's consider now three connections three connections that Mary and Joseph had to community at Christmas in the original Christmas story. Okay, three connections, and I've got a couple of questions I'd like to pose as we consider these three different connections. Okay, so the first connection um, I would like to highlight is found in the person of Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is not featured in the scripture that we just read. Um, Her story with Mary is actually told in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke right before what we read today. So I apologize about that, but I didn't want to be reading the whole uh, Gospel um, in the midst of this recording. But the Gospel of Luke tells a story of Mary visiting Elizabeth. Um, And she visited Elizabeth after the angel told her that she was going to bear a son. Okay. Elizabeth herself was also pregnant, okay? And when Mary visited, Elizabeth was overjoyed. And there's a very famous sort of detail of this story that the Bible says that when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth's baby leaped for joy within her womb just at the moment that Mary came in. And I am told that many babies uh, do in fact give their best leaping while they are in the womb but that's that's not something i know from first-hand experience but it's something that i'm told okay so now who was elizabeth okay elizabeth is is said to be a relative of mary and that's pretty much all it says uh was she a cousin was she an aunt we don't know uh, we, we really can't be sure about that. We do know that Elizabeth was quite a bit older than Mary. And in fact, Elizabeth in her story, which you really should read in the, the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, but Elizabeth became pregnant when she thought that she was too old to have kids. Okay, And that was about six months before Mary became pregnant. So they were pregnant at the same time. And despite their difference in age, we can imagine that this this shared experience was a major connection that, that they had, right? They were expectant mothers together. But clearly, Elizabeth had a very important place in Mary's life, regardless of that one shared experience, right? Long before they were both pregnant at the same time, we can tell that Elizabeth was very, very important to Mary. And we know this because in, you know, in the scripture where um, just after Mary learns from the angel that she's going to have a baby, the Bible says that Mary immediately, immediately went to see Elizabeth. It's like she just dropped what she was doing and left right then. It appears that she did not talk to her parents or her best friend or anybody else, right? She also didn't like go home and just like sit and think and meditate or whatever, ponder what the angel had said to her. No, it says that she just left immediately. She left home and went to see Elizabeth. And this is. Even more significant because Elizabeth lived in a town that was pretty far away. There's actually a lot of speculation amongst Bible studies exactly as to what town Elizabeth lived in because there are clues, but it doesn't actually say. A lot of people believe that Elizabeth lived like a four to five day walk, like a journey, because Mary was on foot, okay? And that, so she she dropped everything and just walked to Elizabeth's house, even though it took like potentially five days to get there. When she arrived, Elizabeth welcomed her with open arms. She was overjoyed. She was completely enthusiastic, right? And I think that Mary knew that she would be welcomed in this way when she got to Elizabeth's place. I think Mary had a bond with Elizabeth, forged by previous experiences that we don't know about. But I think that she knew that Elizabeth was the person that she needed to see and to talk to and to confide in when she learned that her world was about to be turned upside down. So my question for you to consider, it's a a two-part question, okay? With this connection in the Christmas story, okay? I would simply ask you to reflect When have you needed someone like Elizabeth in your life? When your stuff was getting all turned upside down or when all the pieces of your chessboard were getting knocked off, right? When have you needed Elizabeth? And the flip side of that coin is, when have you been like Elizabeth for someone who needed you and would you be on the lookout for a future moment when you were in a position to be Elizabeth when somebody came your way in need of help? Okay? That's something to reflect on. Okay? But that's the first connection that I'm seeing connection to community in the Christmas story. The second connection to community I'd like us to explore or reflect on is related to the place, in fact, the actual location where Mary gave birth, okay? So when you think about where was baby Jesus born, if you picture in your mind an image of the nativity, right? Um, often when we consider the nativity, we picture some kind of like stable uh, or a barn of some kind. I have seen pictures like paintings of the nativity in like a cave, which is an interesting location. Um, and a stable or a barn, that actually might have been the environment that Jesus was born in. But the gospel text itself, if you recall what we, what we recently read, the gospel text itself actually gives only two details that describe the physical place where he was born. And the scripture never says that there was a stable, or a barn, right? Um, really, there's just two things that it says. And the first thing that it says is that Mary, when the baby was born, she laid her newborn baby Jesus down to sleep in a manger. Okay. And we know that a manger is a feeding trough for animals. So that's why people assume or they picture some kind of barn or some place where animals are kept. But something that we should think you know, at least be aware of, is that in that time and in that place and in that culture and society, animals and livestock were just simply much more present in people's lives. They were much more common and intimate part of people's everyday goings-on than what we are used to in the United States today. They were like animals everywhere, okay, because this was life, you know, this is how you lived, right? Because animals had a role in your life, and so you animals were participating in whatever was going on in the home, right? Not as pets, but as domesticated beasts, okay? So in Bethlehem, <laughs> back in Jesus' day, um, we should assume that everybody had a manger, right, to feed the animals. Um, and even if you didn't have a stable or a barn— you might have a manger somewhere in your house to feed your animals. In fact, there are some cases in which you might even have a stable, but you would still have a manger indoors because there would be certain animals that you might bring in at night because they were vulnerable to being stolen or being preyed upon by, you know, mean uh, wolves and scary animals like that. Okay, so that brings us to the second detail of the location of jesus's birth and this detail is the subject of some controversy so you're probably leaning forward like ooh controversy okay so the only thing the only other thing besides mentioning that mary laid baby jesus in a manger the only other detail in the scripture was that there was no room for them in the inn and you've probably heard that phrase thrown around um in many different ways every year about this time of year right there's no room in the inn well most bible scholars these days feel that the word in is actually not the best english translation of the ancient greek word that is in the original greek version or the greek writing of the christmas story in the gospel of luke Okay, And this is an interesting thing to ponder, because when you say that there was no room for them in the inn, it kind of makes it sound like Mary and Joseph went to some place like a hotel or a bed and breakfast, and there were no vacancies, right? There simply were no rooms available, so Mary, they didn't have any place to stay, so Mary had her baby out in the barn, okay? and most scholars believe that, that that's really just not right um the word that is translated here as the in in many english bibles would actually be better translated as the guest room yeah and that the line should be there was no room for them in the guest room yeah now without getting on too much of a tangent the reason that scholars think that this is a better translation of the word, is that the same Greek word is found at the end of the Gospel of Luke in the story of the Last Supper, when Jesus and his disciples share a meal upstairs in a house where they are guests, okay? And that word in that story for guest room is somehow translated as the inn, In many English Bibles and this is a big problem for a lot of scholars. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm not a Bible scholar, but this is what I'm told. Okay. So, if Mary and Joseph were in a house that had a guest room, but the guest room was full, well that does add a lot of richness to the story. You see, many houses in those days were constructed with a kind of separation between workspace and living space okay there was often two levels to the house there would be a ground level downstairs area where work was done where animals were kept right cooking might be done in this space Um, fires that needed to be tended for various purposes were happening down there and the living quarters were upstairs Okay Mary and Joseph might have stayed the night in the downstairs of a house where there was a manger because that was where the animals were kept right if it was a house where there was a stable outside maybe they went outside and sta- and and stayed in the stable right but regardless if we picture the scene taking place in a home right? A home where there is a guest room that is full, we suddenly are able (laughs) to imagine unseen and unnamed people who are there, right? And they are ready to open their home to neighbors who need help. Who are these people, right? Who owns this house? We have no earthly idea, Joseph's third cousin, who he never met, but he knows he lives in Bethlehem, and now Mary's in labor, he shows up at his door. God, we, we have absolutely no idea who this house actually belonged to, but we definitely know that these are compassionate and welcoming people because their guest room is already full, right? I mean, for all we know, there could have been three other moms having babies that same night upstairs in the guest room and mary absolutely would have been welcome in the guest room but there simply was no room it was full right and so this is the next form of connection and community that we see in the christmas story there are people who are willing to help mary and joseph they could not give mary and joseph everything they wished they could give them they couldn't give mary and joseph everything they needed they couldn't give them a bed right but they gave them what they could you can stay here i'm sorry but the guest room is full but you are welcome here okay so this is my next sort of double-sided question for us to reflect on and consider have you ever been in this situation right you want to help you can't provide everything that a person needs so you do what you can The other side of that is, have you ever been in need and there was a caring person nearby and they did what they could to help you, even though they could not do everything. They could not provide everything that you needed, but they were there and they did what they could. It's a very important question to consider when we remember the Christmas story each year okay all right one last connection to community that I'd like to explore in the Christmas story and that is the shepherds the chef you gotta love the shepherds all right everybody wants to dress up as a shepherd when it's time for the Christmas pageant Okay, but one aspect of the shepherds as characters that I just like to dwell on today is the simple fact that the shepherds were complete strangers to Mary and Joseph. I think this is a very important component of the story. The shepherds had no idea that any of this stuff that we, we take for granted about the Christmas story was happening. They never heard of Mary and Joseph, right? They were completely unaware of their existence, they were living their shepherd lives, doing their shepherd thing, shepherding the sheep. They, they didn't even live in Bethlehem. Okay? They were outside of town, uh, keeping watch over their flocks in the fields. And I just would like us to notate how amazing it is that the angels did not appear to people who knew Mary and Joseph. I mean, that's a compelling aspect of this story. The angels brought this message that a newborn baby, you know, that has just been born in Bethlehem, that this baby's going to be real special. He's going to be a king, and he's going to bring peace to all of the earth. This is big news, right? And the angels, they did not share this news with the people in the neighborhood where Jesus was going to grow up. It didn't, they, didn't, they didn't appear to the mayor of Nazareth. The teachers at Nazareth elementary school were not advised, right? The leaders in the synagogue in Nazareth were not alerted. No, the angels told a group of shepherds who, you know, were living out in, in the fields, you know, in Bethlehem, utter strangers to Mary and Joseph. We, we can't even assume that they ever saw mary and joseph after they met them the night of jesus's birth that's interesting right total strangers are the ones who get the big news of course we will learn later on as we as we keep sort of if you read the gospel of luke from start to finish you know we very very quickly see you know that the people who lived around jesus they were often the ones who had the hardest time seeing good in him they thought that they knew him right because he grew up around them but they could not understand the most important things about him and that gets to another you know difficult truth about the human condition sometimes the people who have a front row seat don't see a person for the miracle that they truly are meanwhile there might be a complete stranger somebody who has no business knowing anything about that person but they happen to stumble upon some truth about this person and they believe it okay so the shepherds you know, they found Mary and Joseph and they saw the little baby. It was humble digs for, for sure, right? Just like described, lying in a manger. But they saw it for the miracle that it was, right? And they couldn't help but celebrate. Okay? They looked at the baby Jesus and they were ready to believe that he was a miracle, And so that leads to my final two-part question, right? For us to ponder this Christmas. My final question for you is, have you ever had somebody treat you like you were a miracle, right? Have you ever had somebody see some light in you, something extraordinary, and they were ready to believe that you were a gift from God, that you were important That you were a miracle and maybe the icing on the cake was that this person didn't even know you they didn't even know they didn't know your parents they didn't know anything about your story they didn't know they weren't from your community they didn't know you but they still were ready to believe that your life was important and that you as just as you were a miracle The flip side of that question is have you ever been possessed by some kind of divine inspiration, illumination that somehow enabled you to look at a complete stranger? Somebody you didn't have any business knowing about. But somehow, because of some strange spirit that came over you, you were able to see this stranger as a gift from God, as a miracle. The Christmas story says that this spirit comes down on people. So if it's been a while since you've been able to look at a stranger like that, Maybe you should check in and remember so that you can be ready the next time that spirit moves in you, okay? Friends, in so many ways, the Christmas story illustrates for us what kind of people we are called to be, what kind of community we are called to create, and what kinds of Connections actually draw forth the fullness of our humanity in full vibrancy, vitality, and resplendence, okay? And this is what we should be thinking about as we let this story um, dwell within us, okay? That we want to be creating communities and forming relationships like the friendship and the mentorship and the care and the support that existed between Mary and Elizabeth. Relationships of unconditional love, of full trust and safety. Relationships where you just know that you can turn to this person in your hour of need. right? The moments when you're feeling most overwhelmed, when your life is falling apart, that you have an Elizabeth to turn to and that you are an Elizabeth for people who need to turn to you, right? And just like those unnamed hosts in the the house, right, in Bethlehem, we are called, right, to be ready and willing to share what we have to share, knowing that we don't have everything, right? To give what we can, know, knowing that we cannot give everything, right? And to be there and to offer the help that it is ours to give, even though we know that we cannot do everything, right? Would we still be willing to do what we can, just like the people who were there for Mary and Joseph the night Jesus was born? And of course, following that example of the shepherds, we are called to approach life and to look upon our neighbors and the strangers that we pass as we're going about our day-to-day business and have that kind of divine sensibility that even if a person is completely unknown to us, they are in fact God's child, God's miracle, and that we are capable of cherishing our brothers and sisters in this life even the ones who have done nothing for us and who we may never meet again in person, right? But treating them with the same kind of affection and appreciation that the shepherds treated Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, okay? These are the examples that we are given in the story of Christmas. And brothers and sisters, I invite us to create this kind of community today. Thanks be to God. Amen.